0: Amen, um, I just want to let you know that we have had three search teams try to find old Jiminy back here, and, uh, and all were unsuccessful. We were just going to relocate him, all right, don't worry, we weren't going to, um, but anyways, uh, the rocks cry out and so will that cricket. Um, so I'm going to start with my message now, um, instead of talking about a cricket. All right. Hey, welcome to Asante Church. My name is Jacob. And uh, if you're a guest this morning, I want to thank you for visiting us uh, today, worshiping with us and uh, diving into God's word with us. And so today we are beginning a new series called Three Kings. And uh, this series is going to be based on a book called A Tale of Three Kings written by Gene Edwards um, back in the 80s. And uh, the subtitle of his book is A Study in Brokenness, so get ready. Um, and in his book, he focuses on uh, the stories of the first three kings of Israel, uh, King Saul, King David, and King Absalom. And uh, we are going to focus on those same three characters through the next three, week, three weeks in this series. And uh, more than just focusing on their lives, we want to focus on their hearts. We want to um, dive into who they were as, as men and, and the character that they had, how they depended or did not depend on God. And our prayer is that we would um, read this scripture, that we would learn from their stories of ways that our hearts need to change, ways that our hearts need to be redirected back towards God. And so um, all three of their stories kind of intertwined together so we'll dip into a little bit of one of their stories today and then uh, back next week you'll probably hear a little bit about Saul but this week we were talking about Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel. Uh, You see, before Saul, uh, Israel had a king. It was God. God was their king. God was the one who led them as a nation. Um, And then God would appoint high priests. He would appoint uh, judges to protect them, to fight for them, to care for them, to lead them. Uh, But the people of Israel cried out to God and said, God, we want a king like the other nations. Right? that they saw these other nations that had kings who would go and fight and would lead their armies, and Israel wanted that. And so God told his prophet Samuel, Samuel was kind of a trifecta. He was a prophet, he was the high priest, and he was a judge. Uh, he was just a do-it-all type of guy. Um, but we'll talk about him as a prophet today. He, God told the prophet Saul, go find Israel a king. Give them what they want. And that's a whole message right there if we really wanted to talk about it. Uh, but then we were introduced to Saul, that Samuel is introduced to Saul. And so Samuel, or Saul, was, uh, was a young man. He was about the age of 28, late 20s, early 30s, somewhere around there. Um, and in verse two of First Samuel chapter nine, we see that there was a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. There was not a man, sorry. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. So Saul was tall, that he was um, head and shoulders above any other person in Israel. It tells us that there was not another man that was more handsome than Saul. And Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. Um, His dad was Kish, and his father Kish uh, was a wealthy man who owned a lot of land, a lot of oxen, livestock, and Saul would actually work in the fields with the oxen, that he would be obedient to his dad and do what he says, and one day, his dad lost some donkeys, and so Saul had to go out and look for donkeys, and while he was searching for these donkeys, he runs into the prophet Samuel. So in chapter 10, verse 1, we see that Samuel says, As he is anointing Saul as king, you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you will save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. And this shall be the sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. So Samuel took a flask of oil, he anointed young Saul with it, that Saul was chosen by God. He was anointed by God, and then in that moment the Spirit of God Fell upon him, that he was filled with God's Spirit, that it says that God actually gave him a new heart. And so Samuel, not Samuel, Saul, that might happen a lot today. I apologize. Know what I mean, not what I say. And in, uh, and, then, and then so Saul was anointed as king, but Samuel sent him home, and so Saul went to his father's house and continued to work in the fields, continued to work with the oxen, and he didn't tell anyone in his family that he was going to be king. And so fast forward a year, it is his inauguration, and uh, Saul shows up to this inauguration, and uh, Samuel's there, and he goes, okay, I'm ready to present our king. Where is he? He is hiding in a pile of luggage, right? That all the nation of Israel traveled together and there was a bunch of baggage and Saul was hiding in the luggage. That he didn't want to be the center of attention, that he was humble. He didn't want to go in front of all these people and have the attention on him. But they found him and in verse 24 we see, Samuel said to all the people, do you see him who the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people and all the people shouted, long live the king. Then Samuel told the people the rights and the duties of the kingship, and he wrote them in a book and laid them up before the Lord. Then Samuel sent all the people away, each one to his home. Saul also went to his home in Gibeah, and with him went men of valor whose hearts God had touched. But some worthless fellow said, how can this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no present, but he held his peace. These men already weren't fans of Saul, but what did Saul do? He held his peace. He was humble. He wasn't bothered by these men. And so what is the first thing that we see Saul do his king. Well, he forms an army. Then he goes and he defeats the Ammonites in battle. He has other battles against the Amalekites and the Philistines where he would defeat them. And he had a smaller army than these other nations, but he would still defeat them. He had the blessing of the Lord. He was obedient. Samuel actually told him a bunch of prophecies of things that would happen. And you needed to obey what God is telling you to do when these things happen. And then Saul actually did those things. The, every single one of the prophecies that Samuel told Saul happened and Saul was obedient. He was anointed as king. He was leading Israel well. That He was obedient to his father and to God. He was tall and he was dark and he was handsome. He was exactly who you want your daughter to marry. Right? Saul's the man. He's that dude. You're thinking, God, you know, you really hit a home run with this guy. But even though the exterior looked great, there was a change that was happening in Saul's heart. There was a change that was happening in Saul as he became king. And in the first few years as king, things began to change. And you couldn't see him from the outside. And that's the scary thing, right? He couldn't tell that they were happening. And God cares more about what's happening inside than what's going on on the outside. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says, Keep your heart or guard your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. That our hearts are the source of everything that we do. That every single thing that we say, every action that we have, every attitude or way that we treat the people in our lives, flow from our hearts. It is the most important thing that we are called to care for that God says, above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart before you guard your family and take care of your family. Before you take care of your children, before you take care of your work and your job, first and foremost, guard your heart. Whatever is going on in the heart is going to make its way out into your life. Whatever is going on inside is going to come up outside. So if you have... Toxic poison in your heart, your relationships, your work, your attitude, your thoughts are going to be riddled with poison. And so we see that God sees our hearts. God sees our hearts. He doesn't focus on the outside. One of the most important verses in this um, story and uh, that we'll look at in this series is 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 7 and it says that for the Lord sees not as man sees but man looks on the outward appearance but the Lord looks on the heart. There's a story um, from my life and uh, I was eating uh, at a popular chicken restaurant um, and uh, I was eating with a friend and uh, we're just we're enjoying our time right we're we're having conversations, uh, we're enjoying our food because Lord knows there's not much as good as fried chicken, right? There's not, there's not much to compared it does the soul well, and it probably doesn't do the body too well, but we'll move on. Um, and so we're eating our fried chicken and I'm talking to my friend, his name is Toby, and uh, we're, we're sitting there talking to each other and all of a sudden I see him take a bite and his face just goes blank, right? Like a ghost, and then he pulls out this piece of chicken that's raw in the middle, right? And uh, on the outside, it looked great, right? Crispy, golden brown, smelled good, looked like all the rest of the chicken. But that piece of chicken was deadly, right? Probably had some salmonella. Um, and I know what you're thinking. First, first point, it wasn't Chick-fil-A, so you can rest easy tonight, All right. <laughs> You can sleep tonight. The Lord has blessed that place. (laughs) And the second thing that we need to get from that little story is that Saul's heart was contaminated. Saul's heart was contaminated with pride. On the outside, everything may have looked good, but on the inside, it was deadly. On the inside, it would make him sick. It would lead... destruction in his life, the success that God had through Saul, Saul began to take pride in that. Saul began to see that I have done these things, that I have had success as king, and he began to boost himself up and feel good about himself, that this was building within Saul pride that was going to cause other devastating effects in his life. This pride that was building would lead To his destruction. So let's continue in Saul's story. Saul, um, along with his son Jonathan, are kind of leading the army of Israel. That Saul has a group of his army over here, Jonathan has a group of his army over here, and then we pick it up in this story in 1 Samuel chapter 13. Jonathan defeated the garrison of the Philistines that was at Geba, and the Philistines heard of it. And Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. And all Israel heard it said that Saul had defeated the garrison of the Philistines. And also that Israel had become a stench to the Philistines, and the people were called out to join Saul at Gilgal. Saul took the credit. And the Philistines mustered to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen, and troops like the sand of the seashore in multitude. They came up and encamped at Michmash and to the east of Bethaven. When the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble, for the people were hard-pressed, the people hid themselves in caves and in holes and in rocks and in tombs and in cisterns. And some Hebrews crossed the fords of the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul was still at Gilgal, and all the people followed him, trembling. Saul, we are told, has an army of about 2,000 men with him at this time, and now that army has dwindled down to 600 Because people are hiding in tombs and caves and holes and running and fleeing to their homeland or to distant lands to get away from the Philistines. This is not a good look for Saul. The people that are with him are shaking in fear. Well, Samuel had prophesied that this would happen. One of the prophecies that he told Saul is that you will be hard-pressed and Philistines will be attacking you and when that happens, here's what you are to do. You are to wait seven days until I show up and I will offer the burnt offering and the peace offering to God. He will bless you as you go into battle and you will be victorious against the Philistines. Wait seven days till I show up. So, on the seventh day, Samuel wasn't there. So Saul took it upon himself to offer the burnt offering to the Lord. You see that Saul knew that he needed the Lord's blessing, that Saul wanted the Lord's blessing, but why did he want it? He wanted it because all these men who had praised him before were now trembling and they were not confident in his leadership any longer. That these men who raised Saul up as the king, these men who looked to Saul for leadership were now trembling in fear. That is not a good look for a king. He could see that his men weren't confident in him as their leader. And so Saul's pride led to seeking the approval of man. Saul took matters into his own hands. He took the credit for what Jonathan had done, and now he had taken this into his own hands, and he would offer the burnt offering because more so than being scared for his life, Saul was scared for his reputation. He disobeyed God to save face for his army. And so Samuel shows up, and Samuel confronts Saul, says, what have you done? And Saul, what does he do? He puts the blame on Samuel. He says, well, you weren't here. You told me to wait seven days. This is the seventh day. You were not here. And so he puts the blame on Samuel. And then he tries to justify his actions by saying that he wanted to go to the Lord. He wanted to bless the Lord. And he needed the Lord's help if he wanted to be victorious over the Philistines, right? He justified his actions. But what Saul was doing, Saul was essentially summoning a genie in a bottle, Right? That Saul knew he needed help and he was scared and so what did he have to do but go to God and ask God to save the day? But Saul wasn't genuinely offering this sacrifice to the Lord. He just needed something from God. He needed God's blessing of victory to continue to be praised as king. See, so pride is almost always accompanied with insecurities. It's rarely... Time that they aren't connected. It's a double-sided coin. And Saul sought the approval of others to praise him as king to cover up those insecurities. That Saul wanted the approval of man instead of being obedient to God. So a little further along in Saul's story, we see that pride leads to another issue. Uh, Saul Israel was about to go into battle with the Amalekites, and Saul was told, hey, when this happens, when you defeat the Amalekites, because you will defeat them, I want you to destroy everything. Adult, child, livestock, everything. Wipe it out, right? Yeah, I know, but (laughs) that's not what happened. Israel did defeat the Amalekites, but Saul took captive the king of the Amalekites, and Saul and his people took... Some of the plunders of war. First Samuel chapter 15. Samuel shows up and calls out Saul again. Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said to Saul, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to listen is better than the fat of rams. Saul's pride led to his own understanding that the pride in Saul's heart grew to where he trusted his own understanding. He trusted what he wanted to do, and he followed what he thought was best instead of what the Lord had instructed and commanded him to do. Now He's like, hey, God, I hear you. I know what you want me to do, but listen, God, have you thought about this? God, God I have these oxen and these sheep, and I'm going to offer them to you. How, how good does that sound, God? And Samuel tells him, God doesn't care about the sheep and the oxen. God cares about you being obedient to him. And Saul's disobedient lost him his role as king. Samuel tells Saul that, that the kingship will be taken, stripped away from you, and it will be given to a man after God's own heart. That it's going to be taken away from you, and it's going to be given to someone who is better than you. Proverbs has a couple uh, verses, a couple Proverbs that tell us about our own understanding. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Right. Don't trust your own understanding. It's so easy to listen to what we think is best But oftentimes it's going to lead us astray. It's going to lead us into destruction and trouble. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 12 says, There is a way that seems right to man that in the end it leads to death. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Are we obedient to God in all circumstances? Not just when it makes sense. Not just when it's easy, not just when it's the convenient thing to do, but when our entire world would tell us to do the opposite. Whenever you're in a marriage and it's going difficult and you're struggling, but you know that you're not happy, so the entire world will tell you that your happiness is most important, so you can leave that marriage. You can leave that union because you aren't happy, but what does the Word of God say? What, does the Word of God say that you should stay and you should fight and you should seek repentance? you should forgive. What about when you're at work and and the convenient, nice thing for your career to do would be to do this little thing over here, but you know that the Bible says that we are to be upright and honest. So do you listen to your own thoughts and say, it's not that big of a deal? Do you try to justify and say, hey, well, I'm only doing it because... And what about when your friends and your wise counsel and your family tells you that you should do this thing, but you know that the word of God is telling you to do this. You know that the Lord is calling you to do this thing. When it's not convenient, are you obedient to the Lord? Saul chose what was best in his eyes. He chose to listen to his own understanding and to disobey the Lord, and it cost him everything that he cared about cost him everything in his life that he had built his pride around. And so at this point, Saul goes into a tailspin. We are told that a harmful spirit tormented Saul. We are told that uh, he kind of couldn't get his thoughts straight. He was constantly angry. He was constantly um, kind of losing his mind, if you will. And all the success that he had previously had at king had no longer mattered. All the anointing that he had all the um, success he had in war. So Saul is losing it. But at the same time, Samuel is traveling to Bethlehem, and Samuel is going to anoint a new king, a better king, and we know that that king that he is there to anoint is none other than David, who is a young teenage boy. He wasn't quite ready to be king yet, but Samuel anoints him as the next king. So back to Saul, Saul is going crazy and he tells his servants, find me a musician that can play some music so that I can get these thoughts out of my head. And who else do his servants find but a young shepherd boy who can play the harp named David? So David comes in and he begins to play this harp for Saul whenever Saul's um, tormented in his spirit and Saul begins to love David. Saul begins to care for David. Saul brings David into his service. He actually sends a letter to David's dad, Jesse, and says, I want to bring your son in and keep him here. He will no longer be sent back to you and your sheep. He's going to stay with me. And David became the armor bearer of Saul. Saul loved David. David played music that made Saul feel better. Well, then David has his coming out party in a pretty famous story. Uh, There is this Philistine giant named Goliath who is challenging any Israelite to face him in battle. And he says, whoever defeats me, uh, that means that, you know, Israel's better, whatever. One, One v. one me. And so David goes out with a slingshot, young boy, knocks Goliath down, takes Goliath's sword, chops his head off. Really awesome. Cool story. Maybe you've heard it. Everybody begins to love David, and Saul watches this happen from his tent. Saul, the king, is watching David go out and slay the giant from his tent. And so people grew to love David, and Saul's pride led to jealousy. That's our next point, 1 Samuel chapter 18. Verse 7 and 9 Saul is going back into the city, and these women are singing a song. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. One, he struck down one. And Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. He said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. The thought of people loving anyone more than himself drew Saul mad. It drove him mad. Remember, just before this, Saul loved David. That David was a friend of Saul. That David served Saul very well. And immediately, Saul now hated him. He had his eyes on David. That David was now stealing his acclaim as king that he deserved. and So Saul spent years and years seeking to kill David. David would come in and play his harp, and Saul would be, you know, chilling, and then just all of a sudden throw a spear at David, and David would, like, evade it, and then just keep playing the harp. We'll talk about that next week. And multiple times, Saul would throw a spear at David, and then... When that didn't work, Saul would put David as the commander of an army and he would send them to the front lines hoping that David would be killed in battle and that didn't happen either. So Saul would chase David into the wilderness and he would live in caves for years just seeking to find and kill David. He became known as the Mad King. This once promising, handsome, humble, obedient king was now an example of what not to be. We don't ever look to Saul and be like, hey, here's what you're going to learn from him. Do this. He's the example of what not to do. And he had so much promise that Saul focused so much so on David and taking out his threat to his pride that Israel suffered. The nation of Israel was largely defeated by the Philistines at this time. A lot of the cities and the land that was um, given to Israel by God was now being inhabited by the Philistines. Uh, That their army was on the ropes. The, The military success that Saul had had was a thing of the past. Saul's pride led to his destruction. In Saul's last days, the Philistine army was closing in. And Saul, who had removed himself so far from the guidance of the Lord, had no other option, but he went and he sought out counsel from a witch. he went to a witch and said, can you help me? I no longer hear from God that Samuel has left me, that I need some sort of guidance. I need somebody to help me defeat the Philistine army. And she was of no help to him. The God... Who once fought for Saul, who once had blessed Saul, who once would go ahead, that Saul was confident in the fact that God would bring victory to his army, was no longer there, that Saul was so far removed. And as the Philistines approached Saul and his family, Saul fell on his sword and took his life. Saul's story is a sad one, that there was so much promise. That God had anointed him, that he seemed to have it all, but in his heart, he had pride. And it led to his destruction. Next week, Alex is uh, going to be preaching on the heart of David. And I'm not going to share too much about David's story, but it is said that David was the man after God's own heart. I think most people want to relate themselves to David. Most people want to be able to identify with David's life in the way that he loved God. And sure, he made mistakes, but he always went back to God. I think the reality is that many of us in here relate more to Saul. Saul. Many of us in here have an issue of pride in our hearts that if goes unchecked will lead to the destruction of our lives. It will lead to areas and sin and struggles and a path that we don't want to go down if we don't acknowledge it, if we don't take care of it. Maybe you know God, maybe you love God, maybe you know what God has called you to do and you know what God has done for you. But maybe somewhere along the way, pride became rooted in your heart. Maybe somewhere along the way, all the ways that God had blessed you and helped you along, you look at yourself and say, I did that. I did good. I made good choices. All the success that I have, I have earned. Or maybe people have praised you for a way that you are blessed to serve God. Maybe you can sing well. Maybe you can love people well. And maybe that has turned into you being praised and you getting the focus on you instead of that God has blessed you to be able to do that. And so maybe your service in church or for God is no longer for God, but it's for yourself. Maybe your good deeds Maybe they make you worthy of God's blessings. Maybe you believe that you love God so you deserve the good things that He gives you. Church, the seed of pride will grow into a forest of harmful fruit if gone untreated. That a small seed of pride, if we don't nip it in the bud, will grow into destruction and sin and problems and issues in our life that we don't want there if we don't treat it. Saul had a lot of issues, but the saddest part of Saul's story, in my opinion, is that Saul's pride never led to repentance. Because of Saul's pride, he was never able to repent and go to God. Samuel confronted him multiple times and, and gave Saul the opportunity to admit that he had done wrong, that he had disobeyed the Lord, that he had sinned in the eyes of the Lord. And every time Saul would justify it, he never owned up to his mistakes, that his pride only grew, and as his pride grew, he grew further away from God. The less and less he relied on God, the more and more he was removed from God. And my prayer for us is that we do not ignore our pride. My prayer for us is that the Spirit would convict in us, that it would convict the evilness and the dirtiness of pride and what it brings. That we would seek forgiveness any way that we have hurt others because of our pride, but ultimately we would seek forgiveness of God because of our pride and we are disobedient to Him our pride leads to other sins, if it has led to disobedience, if it has led to you seeking the approval of other people over the approval of God, if it has led to seeking your own understanding, if it has led to jealousy and being angry towards another person, if it has led you to not trusting in the word of God, but trusting in the word of your friends or your own opinions, I pray that the Spirit would convict us now. We can only have repentance because Jesus has made a way. We only have the ability to repent and turn back to the God that we have been separated from because Jesus made a way. You see, just in the same way that Saul's pride led him to separation from God, our pride leads us to separation from God. Our sin leads us to separation from God. But Jesus, who had zero pride, Jesus, who was full of humility and service, came and died the death that we deserve, that he took our place and he paid for your sin problem on the cross. And when Jesus did that, because Jesus did that, we can now be reconciled to the Father. So I don't know if your issue is pride. I don't know if that's, what you would identify as your biggest need, your biggest problem, your biggest sin. But I'm just going to speak to that one. I don't know how long you have trusted in your understanding over God. I don't know how long you have tried to live this life without God, how long you have relied on your own understanding, how long you have gone by your own rules and not the rules of God, how long you have continued to drift further and further away from God, I don't know, but I know that right now God is calling you to repent and seek him. God is calling you into a relationship with him right now. So we're gonna pray We're going to ask God to rid our hearts of pride, rid our hearts of areas that we have trusted ourselves over him. Let's bow our heads. If you this morning, um, when I talked about repentance and I talked about Jesus, if you feel like that is a decision that the Lord is calling you to make, if you have never trusted in Jesus, if you have never sought to redeem Jesus, be restored in that relationship with God that your sin has separated you from I pray that you would just do that now I pray that in boldness you would step out and you would trust Jesus for the first time that the realization of your sin would be clear that your sin has led to brokenness that your sin has led to broken relationships which led to a broken relationship with God our Father and so right now God is offering repentance. He is offering reconciliation. So you can talk to me after service. You can write it on a connect card. Just mark that you want to begin a relationship with Jesus. But I pray that if the Spirit is leading you now that you would be so bold to do that. And for the rest of us in this room, if you have pride, if you can see ways in your life that you have trusted yourself over God, that you have sought the approval of man over God. God, I pray right now that you would cleanse our hearts of that, that you would give us new hearts, that you would wipe us clean and make us clean, or that however many years this has been an issue, I pray that right now you would step in that we would seek you, that we would seek your understanding, that we would seek your truth and your guidance for our lives, God. God, lead us. We want to be a church. We want to be leaders. We want to be people that seek you and follow you. Jesus, we pray these things in your holy name. Amen.